It is time for us to begin our midday show here on KRVN. Scott Foster in here with you as we will. I will guide you through the uh, waters here in the next couple hours. Got lots of stuff to talk about, of course, as we begin a Monday after the uh, fourth weekend. And, uh, boy, we've got uh, crop progress coming up here today. I'm really interested in that. Susan Littlefield joining us to just kind of see what uh, where crops are right now. Susan? Yeah, you know, it should be kind of the lesser of both evils, I hope, uh, for many producers, getting some, some nice rain showers in some areas that needed it, but still need to work on those growing degree days in the, in the heat units. But from my understanding from comments that were made by Al Dutcher last week, we're going to see those coming our way. So yeah. if we can just get through county fair this week for us without a lot of heat, I'm good with that. Very good. What else you got for us, <laughs> Susan? Well, we're going to check out a variety of different things coming up at 1219. There's 24 University of Nebraska students that began flood service ships in 14 communities across the state. We're going to find out more about what the details are on that and how the role extension plays when it comes to talking with the students. Then at 1245, we've got some looming dates with the Farm Service Agency. The first big one comes up a week from today on July 15th. So Bobby Chris Wickham will join us as we talk more about that. Then at 117, Shaley catches up with the Nebraska State Veterinarian, Dr. Dennis Hughes. All right. Very good. Thank you so much, Susan. Have a good day. You too. Thank you. We turn it over to Jason Jorgensen in here now. And uh, U.S. women's soccer team is number one. They did. They knocked off Netherlands, so congratulations to them. Uh, they caused a big controversy with some of their celebrations at the end of the match, but that's that's their thing, I guess. So it wasn't the whole team, but uh, as expected, they won it, so we'll leave it at that. Also, we'll talk former Huskers Isaiah Roby and James Palmer Jr. They each played very well on Saturday with their respective NBA Summer League teams. Roby had 14 points and 6 rebounds, and well, James, uh, he had 23 points for Phoenix. Wow. So. Now, is this, is this, when I was coaching basketball, the summer league didn't mean anything much. Is everybody playing in this, or is this kind of just the young guys? The young guys and okay. the up and comers, the guys that probably will be in the developmental league. But, okay. you know, it's, if you're going to play a game and try to impress someone, you might as well show up. And I mean, they show the games on ESPN and NBA TV, So, but uh, good for those two. They're each off to good starts, and hopefully the weather cooperates tonight in Cleveland. Home run derby. Christian Yelich is backed out of the thing due to a back injury, so wide open field. I, I, saw, I was looking at who the favorites were, and it looks like Josh Bell is the favorite. I think he's a pirate. Seven to two favorite. Okay. Uh, if you would like to put your hard-earned money on... Who had been an ex would win an exhibition for hitting a baseball over a fence? <laughs> yeah, you know the home run derby has lost some luster over the years. I'm afraid it's a little not, bit. It's not the most exciting. All right, thank you, Jason. I appreciate it. We turn it over to Bob Brogan. How are things going in finances today? Stocks sir? are falling today. Investors are trying to gauge the Federal Reserve's next move on interest rates. Um, the feeling now is that with that strong jobs report on Friday, that maybe. The Fed might take a step back, and uh, instead of cutting the interest rate by as much as a half percent, maybe just a quarter percent, which, you know, maybe to the average person isn't that big of a deal, but if you're dealing with millions and billions of dollars, it is kind of a big deal. So that's kind of what we're watching right now. Okay, well, that's all coming up. 
Time for us to take a look at our weather and how it's affecting agriculture for us and around the world. Paul Perkins joining us now. And, uh, boy, there is just a lot of moisture out there right now, isn't there? Yes. Uh, currently, some dew points well into the low 70s. And that's pretty much region-wide dew points in the low 70s. So this storm system that's going to be working through later today will have uh, quite a bit of moisture to work with. Already a little bit of light rain popping up in west-central areas of Nebraska from Right along I-80 from about North Platte to Lexington and points to the north of I-80. Also a little bit of light rain to moderate rain scattered from about North Platte to Hayes Center to just west of McCook. Temperatures right now in the upper 70s to low 80s. Definitely on the warm side out there with that humidity currently in place. It's, it was really interesting going up uh, home this weekend that it was muggy at times, but it was also, the mornings were very cool and very nice. It was on july like for that part of the world yeah well yeah we've had some cool weather yeah. but yeah it's going to start warming up and especially in our long-term forecast okay. we are looking at some warmer and actually very dry weather starting to take hold this moisture that we're expected to get could come in very handy there is a flash flood watch in effect from four this afternoon all the way through to uh, tomorrow morning for Portions of South Central Nebraska and North Central Kansas. This flash flood watch in South Central Nebraska includes Dawson counties and also areas from Elwood to Clay Center and from Cambridge to Hebron. Once again, in South Central Nebraska, Dawson County, and areas from Elwood to Clay Center and from Cambridge to Hebron, North Central Kansas. A portion of that area in uh, this flash flood watch, and that includes areas from Phillipsburg on over to Mankato. Some localized flooding may occur from rain amounts that may total about more than an inch. So, flash flood watch for this. This afternoon through tomorrow morning for portions of South Central Nebraska into North Central Kansas. Once again, a little bit of light rain trying to get going this morning over West Central areas of Nebraska. We will see more thunderstorms develop today. A likely chance of thunderstorms today through tonight as a warm front and low pressure lifts in the northeast. Those better chances of storms starting to fire this afternoon when things start heating up. Some of those storms could go severe. The main threats of large hail, damaging winds, and heavy rain. Right now it looks like that better chance of some severe weather over west and central areas of Nebraska to nearby parts of Kansas that better chance of severe weather along and west of a line from Ord to Grand Island, Red Cloud, Mankato, and Hayes where there is a slight risk of severe storms from the Storm Prediction Center. Could see a couple rounds of thunderstorms with this system, one this afternoon and then again later this evening. Rain totals of one to two inches likely across the entire area. Our temperatures for today and tomorrow look to be seized done with the passage of this warm front. And then Wednesday, slightly cooler behind a cold front. A ridge of high pressure will build on, though, to the plains for the weekend, or for the midweek, so that will... That will shut up for our thunderstorm chances. Also send temperatures to more July-like levels. That ridge weakens by Friday night and the weekend for some slight chances of thunderstorms. Now, today and tonight's rain looks to be coming in handy for our long-term forecast. It's likely temperatures will be warmer than normal this weekend through July 21st in Nebraska, Kansas, and practically all of the United States. The exception is the Pacific Northwest, so a big warm and dry spell on the way. Average daytime highs in central Nebraska during the middle of July, usually in the upper 80s with average overnight lows in the low to mid-60s. Once again, we're looking to be warmer than that for that time period. It's now expected to be drier than normal for rainfall this weekend through the 21st for Nebraska and Kansas. Weather factors in the market include a trend for warm Midwest weather and possible 
Tropical weather in the eastern Gulf of Mexico. This week, a pair of weather systems will help to focus rain across the southeast U.S. and parts of the nation's midsection. Widespread one to three inch rain totals should occur in portions of the north central U.S. Only light scattered rain will affect the eastern Corn Belt and the western Gulf Coast. Warm and dry weather over the Midwest the next week to 10 days will be favorable to crops. Sustained heat and dryness, though, may stress the crops with less than adequate roots. A tropical storm may form in the northeast part of Gulf of Mexico this week with rain and wind from Florida to southeast Louisiana and northward into the southeastern U.S. Heavy rain with this system could threaten some severe flooding. That tropical activity for us, though, may limit our amount of moisture flowing north into the interior U.S., which includes Nebraska and Kansas, and that leads to some drier weather. Thunderstorms in the Southern Plains this past weekend, unfavorable for the wheat harvest. More favorable harvest conditions on the way for the rest of the week with some drier and warmer weather. So enjoy the rain that we're about to get today because it looks like that spigot of moisture could be shutting off in our long-term forecast. And that's all during pretty much the hottest time of the year in mid to late July. So... So get your complaints uh, ready uh, because uh, we've been we. Uh, I love how we can go any direction with those complaints, and uh, we'll be heading towards. It's too hot and dry. Um, looks like though tonight uh, almost. It looks like everybody's got a real good chance. Exactly. Yeah. Later today into tonight, uh, that good chance of some thunderstorms starting to take hold, and yeah, one to two inch rainfall totals in many areas, especially over south central Nebraska, north central Kansas, where the ground's already somewhat saturated. Yeah, it's a lot of water sitting around as we went up uh, towards northeast Nebraska still, so it's it's pretty crazy. All right, thank you, Paul. I appreciate it. Where do you go to check in on your weather? KRVN.com. Twenty-four University of Nebraska students representing the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, the University of Nebraska at Kearney, and the University of Nebraska at Omaha have begun flood service ships in 14 communities across the state. On the Rural Radio Network, I'm Alex Wojcicki reporting. Kathleen Lodel is the Associate Dean of Nebraska Extension, and she tells us what the university decided to do when disaster struck in March. What we've done is offered the service ship program. So we had students who volunteered to be a part of the recovery efforts in areas that are most affected across the state. And we linked them with those communities. So we have a host site and we have a student. And we connected them to go and really make a difference by doing some work related to flood recovery. And there are a variety of different kinds of things that they're doing that ranges from helping manage volunteers to actually working in their subject matter discipline. So, for example, uh, we have a student who's actually working with a local Department of Transportation and Roads crew and figuring out how we're going to rebuild the infrastructure. So it's really linking the content area that students are studying at their universities across the state with the local community need. Little provided details about Nebraska Extension's role in the service ships. Extension has been the player in helping make this connect and making it all happen. And as part of our role in Extension, we engage the entire University of Nebraska system across the state with all 93 counties, um, in this case those most impacted by the flood. So this was a natural fit for us in helping engage those local partners where we have Extension offices and Extension educators in those counties with the students on campus. So it just became a natural fit 
And we've been spending time making those connections and, and now onboarding those students and working with them throughout the process because uh, this is not only a, a benefit to the county but also a real benefit to the student. Lodal explained that the university knew it wanted to help fellow Nebraskans and Extension helped bridge the gap between wanting and doing. Because of the infrastructure Nebraska Extension already has in place, we, we have real boots on the ground in those communities. And so we quickly had our educators while working in teams and our statewide team thinking about how we best help and what our best role would be, not only right at the time of the disaster and the flooding, but also into the future. We know that, that we're in for the long haul. This is not a, a short-lived process, and we are now moving into the recovery mode. But we're going to be in this uh, for the future. They often say that events like this will take up to nine years till we get back to the new norm, and we'll be there throughout that process. So be it providing emergency management connections with NEMA and FEMA, uh, being it working with some of the other partners like the housing authorities and like the local emergency management systems to providing real education. What do I do around crops? What do I do with my family that might be undergoing some real stress at this time? Um, to mental health and mental wellness. That's all a part of the education that we're helping provide for those communities. In addition to the flood service ships, UNL journalism students are adding another component to recovery efforts by capturing stories across the state. And you can find those at prairiestormclouds.org. Now, the university is continuing to accept applications, so all undergraduate, grad, and professional students from all NU campuses, including the Nebraska College of Technical Agriculture, are invited to apply. And community leaders with ideas for service ship projects are also encouraged to apply to serve as hosts for the students. Now, if that's something you're interested in, go to ruralradio.com and click on the Crops tab. Broadcasting from the Nebraska Soybean Board News Desk, which is brought to you in part by Nebraska Soybean Farmers and their checkoff, you're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at sports. Jason Jorgensen in studio with me here. And uh, one of the things about the 4th of July that I always think about is, yeah, it's about halfway through the, the school break type. I also think about a couple things. I think about sports-wise. I think about Wimbledon, and I think about uh, the All-Star Game coming up pretty soon. And both yeah, of those in them. We do. And yeah. uh, we also had the World Cup wrap up that? yesterday yeah. for the U.S. women. They knocked off the Netherlands 2 to nothing for the World Cup title. That's no back-to-back titles for the USA. It's, it's amazing how good the United States is as women's soccer, but when it comes to men's soccer... Isn't that something? <laughs> that's a whole different story. Wow. A lot of time, effort, millions of dollars put into that and has not yielded the results we have seen from the women's program. So congratulations to them. A couple of former Huskers played well over the weekend. Isaiah Roby was back in action Saturday night. He competed in his second NBA Summer League game as a member of the Mavs. Finished up with 14 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists to help the Mavs to an easy win over the Rockets. And former Husker James Palmer, who's been known to score some points from time to time, scored a team-high 23 with 4 rebounds as he helped Phoenix to a 105-100 overtime victory over the Knicks in his NBA Summer League debut. U.S. Women's Volleyball National Team rallied to defend its FIBA Volleyball Nations League title with a 
comeback win for the ages. Andy Drew scored 33 points, and former Husker Jordan Larson came off the bench in the third C in the third set to help uh, the United States rally past Brazil as they won it five, winning the fifth set 15 to 13 in yesterday's gold medal match. In the process, women claim the one million dollar top prize. Larson finished up with eight kills while playing in just three sets. Another former Husker, Kelsey Robinson, remember her? She had 13 kills and a couple of aces. Michaela Fecky is also a member of the U.S. squad. Well, Scott mentioned the All-Star game, and the game might not count anymore, but the Home Run Derby is upping the stakes. This year's Derby includes a $1 million top prize, and the participants are taking it seriously. Several have been practicing before the games, trying to simulate Derby conditions. Milwaukee's Christian Yelich backed out of the field yesterday after tweaking his back. He was replaced by Oakland's Matt Chapman. The rest of the field is Cleveland's Carlos Santana, the Mets' Pete Alonso, Pittsburgh's Josh Bell, who's considered to be the favorite, Atlanta's Ronald Acuna Jr., and Houston's Alex Bregman, and the Dodgers' Jack Peterson. Did you see, I was reading earlier that this is the youngest field yeah. ever. They're average about 25 years old. The thing is, some guys go there, they try to hit home runs, they get the uppercut going, then they go on a two-week slump after they're in this thing. So that's what you have to worry about. And we also mentioned Wimbledon, busy day with all kinds of matches going on. Coco Groff's uh, 15, the 15-year-old American. She lost to former number one, Simona Halep. She dropped that in a couple of sets. However, what a story for her, playing in her first Grand Slam tournament after becoming the youngest player to ever qualify for Wimbledon's main draw. I don't think we've heard the last of her. Well, no, and it, and, and it was interesting. I heard earlier they said she was the youngest since Jennifer Capriotti. Oh, yeah. And uh, so that goes back. You think about it, there was a time there where the, the teenagers ruled tennis. Very true. Hmm. Hopefully she doesn't have all the drama that went along with Jennifer. That that was a train wreck from time to time. Uh, that was a mess. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's sports. For more, find it anytime at krvn.com. I'm Jason Jorgensen. All right. Thanks, Jason. Time for us to take a look at news as we have Dave Schroeder in here. And Dave, a pretty good-sized accident uh, on uh, Highway 30 this morning. Yes. As you mentioned uh, earlier, the Dawson County Sheriff's Office, with assistance from Cozad Police Department and Cozad Fire and Rescue, is investigating a collision just east of Cozad late this morning. It involved a farm tractor and a truck hauling a roll-off container. At least one person was transported from the scene to Cozad Community Hospital. Governor Pete Ricketts is planning to visit more than a dozen Nebraska businesses as part of a victory tour for the state's recent win of a National Economic Development Award. Ricketts will be kicking off a tour tomorrow with a visit to Nelnet in Lincoln. He also is expected to visit Omaha, Columbus, Norfolk, Bloomfield, Minden, and Sydney. Ricketts announced in June that Nebraska had won the 2018 Governor's Cup from Site Selection Magazine for the most economic development projects per capita for the third consecutive year. Texas won the award for the most projects overall. A Gehring woman is accused of taking more than $70,000 from her grandmother's account. Scotts Bluff County court records say 43-year-old Melody Marsh is charged with abuse of a vulnerable adult. The court records don't list a name of an attorney who could comment for her. The records say Marsh held a power of attorney over her grandmother's medical and financial affairs. Investigators say Marsh issued more than 
$70,750 in personal checks to herself and others, including family members, on the woman's account. A seven-year-old boy has died after an ATV crash in western Kansas. The Wichita Eagle reports that the Kansas Highway Patrol says Cannon Michael Bowles of Syracuse, Kansas, died Saturday. Investigators say Bowles was driving an ATV in Kansas's Hamilton County when it began to spin off the road. Troopers say the ATV rotated multiple times over the driver's side and Bowles was thrown from the vehicle. Emergency crews took Bowles to Hamilton County Hospital in Kansas, where he was pronounced dead. And that's a check of the latest in news. And, uh, Scott, I understand that you uh, kind of ventured uh, back in home territory this weekend. I did, and I mentioned that a couple times uh, during the show. But uh, one of the things that I thought was really cool, and, and Neely is where I grew up, where I went to high school and stuff, and, of course, also the hometown of uh, late Sydney Loof, which we've been talking about her trial and tragic into her life. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I saw up there, Dave, as I was walking through Riverside Park, there was a uh, bench there that, that was dedicated to her. Oh, there. wow. So it was really neat. Yes. What I found out was the Ponca tribe of Nebraska put that there. And oh. there's backstory to that because Neely is known their cemetery. They have a, a, a headstone for what was the white buffalo girl. And during the Trail of Tears, this young girl, is a year old, died. And the folks of Neely promised the Ponca tribe mm-hmm. that they would take care of her grave, which they have all these years. I stopped by it. It looks, it looks great. And so the Ponca tribe is paying back Neely with that memorial to Sydney Loop. I thought that was incredible, really cool. really incredible cool stuff. So, there you go. It's neat to see that stuff once in a while. Absolutely, see yes. some humanity in the world, right? Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, Dave. I appreciate it. Over the past 18 years, KRVM, The River, and Cami have given away some pretty incredible vehicles, and this year will be no exception. Follow us to special Nebraska events, fairs, festivals, and concerts this summer, and register for your chance to win a brand new 2018 Ram 4x4 pickup. It has a custom hood, tinted windows, and spray-on bed liner. Thanks to the following sponsors, you could be bringing it home to your driveway this September. Boz Garage, Arapahoe and Fall Motor Company. Cambridge, Eustace Body Shop, Eustace Cozad, Lexington, Kearney, Grand Island, and Lincoln, Central Valley Irrigation, Holdridge, Lexington, and Kearney, CHS, Creating Connections to Empower Agriculture, Suretop Angus and Charlay Farnham, Nutrient Ag Solutions, Nebraska Land, Kansas Land, Colorado Land Tire Group, Lexington Regional Health Center, Lexington, Cornerstone Bank, member FDIC, with 42 locations serving Nebraska. Find more on the Fun and Games page at krvn.com. Some important deadlines in the next week for farmers in Nebraska. Good afternoon. I'm Susan Littlefield on the Rural Radio Network. Bobby Chris Wickham joins us from the Nebraska FSA office as we talk about deadlines that start July 15th. Uh, yeah, um, this is really our busiest time of the year in our in our county FSA offices. And July 15th is a, a big deadline because it is our acreage reporting uh, deadline. Uh, you know, and, and that's important because acreage certification is required to maintain eligibility for FSA programs and you know for so for those spring seeded crops such as corn and soybeans and grain sorghum dry little beans sugar beets you know um, in addition to actually CRP acres and perennial grass all those um, things need to be certified in our office by July 15th deadline 
Um, and I would, I would say, you know, because of the volume of work for FSA, you know, most offices like to have appointments for certification. So if you're a producer who hasn't certified yet and you don't have an appointment already booked, please call your county office as soon as possible. That's what I was going to ask you is getting that appointment and having all their information readily available with them just makes that appointment time so much easier. Right, you bet. And, you know, some of our county offices um, do it a little differently, but some of them have those, those maps that are really important to the certification process ready ahead of time for producers to pick up and fill out. You know, some make sure that county offices make sure those maps are ready and waiting as the producer walks in. Um, so the important point there, again, is make sure you're coordinating with your county office so that we can be as efficient for the producer um, as we can and, and get them in quick and, and out, back out the door. So July 15th deadline is also in place. It's a deadline change for prevent plant. Right. Um, I know preventive planning was a big deal this spring, has been a big deal, um, and, and we need to know about those prevent plant acres. Um, for program eligibility purposes as well. And normally that deadline is 15 calendar days following the final planting date for a crop, you know, as established by crop insurance. Um, so, for example, soybeans would have been in late June. Um, but with all the weather difficulties we've had, we extended that prevent plant reporting deadline for FSA programs to July 15th um, so that it would coincide with that acreage reporting deadline. So uh, producers can come in and take care of both of those uh, reporting uh, requirements at the same time. Looking at the status, um, there's a lot of things going on for the Farm Bill. We know just a couple weeks ago, Secretary Purdue kind of sent out a news release of this is what we've accomplished so far. But where are we on the rollout of DMC and CRP? Yeah, um, those are two things that our offices are actively working on right now. Um, dairy margin coverage program is that DMC, and, and that's a new tool for producers, dairy producers. It, it provides some risk management coverage for them. Um, USDA has released some decision support tools and a fact sheet to help producers get educated about this program. Sign up at FSA offices goes through September 20th, so there's some time, um, but, you know, that'll date will be here before we know it, so encourage producers to learn as much as they can um, and then come in and see us. And I would point out, um, actually, the University of Nebraska Extension, along with the Nebraska State Dairy Association and FSA, we're going to be coordinating two producer education events on the dairy margin coverage program. Uh, one is July 25th in Beatrice, and then a second one's going to be July 26th in Norfolk. Um, both of those are from 11.30 to 1, so it's over the lunch hour and lunch is included. Um, so producers who are interested should register for that event, and they can do so by going to the Nebraska FSA webpage. Looking at other things that are happening uh, within it, it's the importance, and we've talked about this in depth before, is these county committees are so vitally important to the works that you see out in the country for the FSA, and it's nomination periods going on. Uh, yes, um, with all the things going on, I, I think that point may have gotten a little bit lost in everything we're working on. Yeah, the county committee structure is really unique to, to Farm Service Agency. Um, each county has a county committee, and, and it's made up of agriculture producers who use FSA programs. Um, and these county committee members are producers who are elected by producers in their county. And 
they serve as a direct link between those local farmers and ranchers in, in their local FSA office. Um, most, most county committees have three to five members, and those members serve three-year terms. And generally, one to two positions are up for election each year. And so, so right now is nomination period, um, and producers have until August 1 uh, to get into their county office, learn more about the county committee structure, and, and consider nominating themselves for uh, that important position. Is there anything else that you would like to highlight about what the happenings right now through the local FSAs and the state level? Um, I, you know, I think we've touched on the main programs. Um, we try to make sure we're highlighting those important current things on the Nebraska Farm Service Agency website, and that's fsa.usda.gov slash NE. Those comments coming from Bobby Chris Wickham of the Nebraska FSA. I'm Susan Littlefield on the World Radio Network. Time for us to take a look at our stock markets, our financial markets, and see what's going on out there. And uh, not great news as we look all around the world, starting in Japan, down uh, the Japanese Nikkei is down 209 points, the Hang Seng in Hong Kong down a whopping 436 points. London's FTSE is down just three and the German DAX index is down 25. As we look at the stock markets here in the United States, uh, not much better news. In fact, a little bit worse. The Dow Jones Industrial Average down 134 points at 26.7. The NASDAQ is down 72, and the S&P is down 16. And so as Bob Brogan is in here, and things continue to kind of fluctuate good days bad days good days bad days and uh it looks like we got a bad day going right here bob this is kind of a fourth of july hangover oh okay that's that's the way i right. prefer to look at it and if everybody else wants to just pick up on that that's fine <laughs> with me the market is looking at the strong u.s jobs report on friday uh thinking now that maybe the fed won't cut its benchmark interest rate by quite as much uh, the thinking is now, well, maybe they'll still cut at a quarter point. They were thinking of a half point before. And the market um, just sort of um, rebounds on itself. I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to call it, ping-pongs or whatever. And so right now it's, it's kind of going back and forth on whether anything is going to be done at all. Meanwhile... Uh, Federal prosecutors have announced sex trafficking and conspiracy charges against wealthy financier Jeffrey Epstein. That is a, uh, that's kind of a mess right now. Uh, lots of people are looking at that and uh, uh, going whatever way they want to go. Saudi budget carrier Flyadeal says it's ordering 30 new Airbus planes, replacing a $6 billion agreement it had with Boeing for its troubled 737 MAX jets which are grounded around the world after two crashes. Germany's Deutsche Bank says it's going back to its roots with a radical restructuring plant uh, plan. Investors gave a cautious response today with shares in Germany's biggest bank declining after initially making modest gains. The Deutsche Bank, uh, the Deutsche Bank's uh, new restructuring plan is expect plant plan. Gosh, um, easy for me to say, is expected to result in 18,000 jobs cuts by 20, 
2022. And another thing out there, nearly one quarter of Americans who answered a recent survey say they never plan to retire. The poll by the Associated Press and the NORC Center for Public Affairs Research says 23% of workers, including nearly 2 in 10 of those over 50, don't expect to stop working for a whole bunch of reasons. Health insurance probably um, figures into it a little bit, but, you know, a lot of those folks uh, plan to work, I guess, forever. So, anyway, that's uh, some food for thought. Okay, well, that's uh, so the old uh, retirement plan is death. Uh, scenario on that one and that's my retirement plan so interesting that we have a good jobs report but it that affects the market because they're afraid that the good jobs report will lead to no interest rate cuts and it's you know it's being pretty pessimistic it's like oh man i don't want to get a big raise because then i'll go into a different tax bracket so it's a it's an interesting thing for sure. So we'll take a look at it as we go. Keep it, keep an eye on it right now. Everything in the red in the stock markets. Stomatitis has found its way into Colorado. I'm Shaylee Peters with you now on the Rural Radio Network. We're going to talk today with Nebraska State veterinarian Dr. Dennis Hughes about this since it is right along our bordering state. And Dr. Hughes, first give us some background to what exactly VS is and some of the signs and symptoms to look out for. Sure. Uh, the stomatitis is a contagious viral disease which periodically spreads from Central America, New Mexico, and works its way north periodically every four or five, occasionally up to 10 years. Uh, it's a disease that uh, uh, affects horses, uh, cattle, swine, sheep, goats, llamas, alpacas. The disease is very contagious. Uh, it's primarily spread by uh, vectors, and by that I mean like biting insects such as uh, uh, black flies, sand flies, mosquitoes, midges. When the animals are bitten, uh, the incubation period is typically uh, two to eight days, and the animals will begin to develop blisters, uh, particularly uh, on their mouth or on their nose or their muzzle. Uh, these blisters rupture or break and cause ulcers. Uh, the animals affected are really sore. They uh, have a hard time uh, eating and even drinking water. Adult female cattle actually get uh, teeth, uh, lesions on the teeth also. Uh, all species can get uh, uh, blisters or sores between their toes or around their hoof, the coronary band, and cause lameness. So animals are affected are, are hit pretty hard they typically do uh, recover in, uh, well, it could be anywhere from a week to two weeks. In the meantime, then it's important that these animals get supportive care, particularly if they're too sore to even drink water. Uh, dehydration can set in and be very dangerous. When and how was it brought to your attention that it had made its way into Colorado? Well, it's typical of what happens with the stomatitis. Uh, we uh, usually hear about it in one of the border states of Mexico. So uh, Texas had, oh, I'm guessing it's almost two weeks ago already, and then uh, New Mexico, and then just last week, uh, Colorado discovered a uh, situation with, with horses. So 
you know, we, we have had incursions in Nebraska. We had our, our last outbreak here in 2015. And it's cyclic. Again, we run a cycle, seems like that's only been four years this time, but uh, usually it's a five to ten year cycle between outbreaks. So, you know, we were big thing we want to do is, is warn um, those individuals who are possibly going to be traveling to those areas uh, that have the sickerstomatitis or they have interaction with uh, uh, those animals from those affected states to be cautious. You know, the big thing to do is uh, uh, the first thing, if they see any symptoms, they need to contact their local veterinarian as soon as possible. You know, the big thing to prevent is to control flies, keep them out of the areas where vesiclotomastitis has been diagnosed. And, uh, you know, hopefully the big thing is, is that uh, it usually dies off when we get cold winter freezes where it kills off the vectors. Uh, every time that we see particular stomatitis, when we get to killing freeze, then the sickle stomatitis dies off. But we're a long ways away, away from that at this point, I think. Dr. Dennis Hughes, Nebraska State Veterinarian, urging producers to be on alert as vesicular stomatitis has made its way into Colorado. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. We finished a little bit higher in corn and soybeans, but lower in wheat today, and we talked with John Payne about it. He's Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago and publisher of the newsletter This Week in Grain. I think it's a little bit of nervous trade that you have because of the unknowns as far as uh, crop progress, the WASDE report, etc., right? Yeah, so there's certainly nervousness, and now you've got a little bit of a different factor floating in the trade here with, uh, with heat, and we haven't had to deal with that in a while. It's, you know, it's been cool and wet. A lot of growing degree units are being, uh, you know, asked for where your prayers are going to get answered, specifically everybody in the northern part of the Corn Belt. Um, and this is where rubber meets the road, in my opinion, for what this crop can do, because you need to, to get a yield anywhere, like, I'll, well, let's even call it 165, all right, nationwide. You're going to need central Iowa, northwest Iowa, all the way into your part of the world to really perform. And I, it sounds like you guys are doing pretty well, but, um, you know, this will be our first test of, of the areas that are very good, uh, which is, again, those um, areas that I mentioned. Out west, or out east, rather, that we're going to get hot and dry as well. But, again, I don't know what crop is really there. So um, Friday's report will be interesting to see if they reverse any of the, of the yield acreage that they put in in the June WASDE. Um, if you recall, it was the June WASDE that kind of got all this kick started where we brought the acreage down. Uh, it was the grain stocks report at the end of June that kind of refuted that. And I wouldn't be shocked to see, given the USDA the way they are, that they come out with like an 84 million acre number and bring the yield down even further. So if that happens, we'll run right back to the highs again and uh, – you know, to get get through that level, I think we're going to need to see some some of this crop failure come to fruition that that'll be brought about by heat. Wheat suffered today because of possible what harvest pressure? Yeah, I would think the harvest. I mean, everybody I talk to from you know Texas North is just talking about how great of a crop it is. But um, we are starting to hear a little bit of talk out of Russia. Uh, for the longest time, we were in the low 80, 80 million metric ton crop in that in that world. Uh, it was then brought down to like 79, 78. Now some folks are talking 76, 75. So uh, well below where it was two years ago, below where it was last year. Um, and that, that should put some need for the U.S. supply, although it, it really never came to fruition this year. Um, but, again, I think it, it's really a corn story. If corn rallies, I think wheat will go with it. If, if wheat... If corn doesn't rally, I think wheat will probably die in the vine here. And by the time we roll around to August, probably be somewhere in the low fours. Thanks, John. John Payne, Senior Marketing Analyst with Daniels Ag Marketing in Chicago. Go to their website, danielsagmarketing.com. 
as corn settled a half to one and a half higher in uh, the back months. The July contract four and a half higher. Soybeans ended the day three to three and a half higher. Kansas City wheat was three to four and a half lower. Chicago wheat two to four lower. Dewey Nelson on the Rural Radio Network. And that'll do it for our midday program here on KRVN. To hear today's midday program in its entirety, go to podcasts on krvn.com, Twitter, or anywhere that you find your favorite podcast.